Welcome back to A Place Called Porch. Today we're happy to have Sandra Day and Nancy Smith with us, both from the Porch Vanda Creek Indians Health Department. And these ladies are dedicated nurses, but they're also staples of the health department here at Porch. Ladies, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Thank you, Megan. We're glad to be here. So let's start off with how did y'all ended up end up coming to Porch and how long have y'all been working for the tribe? Because y'all have been here for as long as I can remember. Well, I've been here for 24 years. Um, I worked, I, my background is in public health, and that's what I love. And I did it for many years with the county health department. And then there was a big layoff in the late 90s. And right after I got laid off, this job came became open. Mm-hmm. So I applied for it, and I've been here ever since. And Ms. Sandra, now what exactly is your title at the health department? What role do you play? I am a registered nurse, of course, and I'm the community health and education director. And um, we do preventive services and health promotion and also assessment-type activities. And we have a health education and I'm the community health department. We have the WIC program, which is Women, Infants, and Children's Nutrition Program. And we have two nurses that go into the homes and assist patients with more non-skilled type activities, helping them manage medications or other issues that come up. And um, we take referrals from the community and from the physicians. And we work as a kind of a, a liaison between the patients and the physicians in the clinic. Okay. Um, and I, I knew some of that, but I didn't know all of that. So mm-hmm. you got your hands full. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a uh, lot of activity going on, and it gives us an opportunity to get out into the community. And also, when you meet patients in the home setting, you learn what makes them tick. Because sure. it's one thing when you're at the doctor's office and you're talking to the doctor, you know, we're all going to make the doctors know how well we are and how oh, good yeah. we're doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> but when you're in the home, you know, you, you get close to the patients and you see how they, what they have to deal with. And it, I just enjoy that type of managing their care. And how long have you been here at the tribe? 24. You've I, been here at for 24 years. I thought you had been nursing 24 years previous, but you've been here at the tribe for 24 mm-hmm. years. I've been nursing 44 years. Ooh. I was a baby when, I'll say I was a baby when I graduated. You must have started when you were 10 years old. <laughs> I, I did. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Nancy, what about you? So um, I've been a nurse for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I graduated first BSN program at Mobile College oh, wow. years ago. Um, my background is more um, hospital background. I did um, open heart surgery recovery for 10 years. Then I worked in the emergency department. And then I was director of nursing at Monroe County Hospital for 17 years. And um, Naoma Teal uh, was one of my nurses in Monroeville. And so when the nursing director job came open here at Porch, she called me and she said, Miss Nancy, don't you want to come to Porch? <laughs> and uh, it was so sweet. And I, I was um, at that time working at Providence over their ER and outpatient surgery and GI lab. And so um, I came and met with Dr. Esval and um, with some of the tribal council at that time. And I think Mr. Buford was in on that 
interview, and um, I just loved it. I fell in love with the the people. We were in the old, you know, health department uh-huh. at that time, and I just saw so many opportunities that that we could um, make come true. Mm-hmm. You know, we had just such. Um, I think we had a, a wide open field because we had the new health department being constructed and we had so many programs that we wanted to start. And that was one of the things that I love to do was, you know, start new product lines mm-hmm. or new programs. And uh, so it's been a great move. It's been a great move. Um, and I've learned, I said, I would never learn everybody's name. No. I mean, you know, and I would not learn. My first time going into the lobby to call a patient back, I said, Mr. McGee, and there was four <laughs> people that stood up. And I was like, okay, well, this is not going to work. So I'm going to have to rethink how, you know, it's a close-knit family. It is. And um, so I think that's what's really been the – most rewarding is to get to know my patients, whereas in big cities, you don't really get to know mm-hmm. patients, you know. They're, but here, you know the patient, the family, you know, um, just it's a bond. It's been a great, great move. And I've been here, it'll be 10 years in, um, I believe, May. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know what I thought you had been here longer than that. I've, you know, I've been working for the tribe for 10 years. I just celebrated my 10 year anniversary. So, I think you and I were probably about the same time mm-hmm. cuz you know, you were here when I came. So, I think you were new at that time mm-hmm. as well. So, we've seen a lot of growth. But my goodness, mm-hmm. 10 years is it feel 10 years feels like that. It does. But Ten years is a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy that both of you were part of our community here, and you both play such an integral role here. Nancy, can you speak a little bit about what role you play as the nursing director over at the health department? Sure, sure. Um, well, I got my um, master's uh, about 15 years ago, so that was a um, – I think a great experience to bring more depth to my role mm-hmm. in, the, in the health department now. So I did um, get my master's at the University of Alabama, and it's in clinical nurse leader. So what a clinical nurse leader does is uh, you do process improvement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you see an opportunity to make something better. You put a team together, and then you 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 go through the process improvement process. Um, So at the health department, I kind of uh, function as uh, the liaison between the physicians and administration. Sometimes that's part of my role of the day, the liaison between the patient and the physician. You know, if we need um, further teaching or explanation while the patient's in the clinic, I'm, I'm in part of that as well. Um, I'm also uh, infection prevention. So, you know, I do a lot with our um, infectious disease processes and how we do our, you know, uh, treatments as far as COVID's been awful. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that was a three-year nightmare. Yes. But I think the tribe as a group, we all handled it exceptionally well, um, made it through. Uh, also, 
I, I have been doing some quality projects. I've been working a lot with HRSA. Um, and one of the new things that we're doing is a wastewater uh, program that I'm doing along with uh, Lawrence. And we are actually able to track COVID in wastewater. Really? It's so exciting. I'm just telling you, I just get so excited about it. (laughs) And uh, so we are also going to be probably getting to where we can track a variant, not just the RNA of COVID, but the variant. And then monkeypox. You know, that's a big deal. (laughs) We've not seen monkeypox at the tribe, but, you know, that's that's a big upcoming um, they fear would be maybe a breakout in some of the areas. Mm. So that would be something that's coming in that project as well. But my nursing staff, um, they they each, you know, take a provider. And so we try to, to give care that's has continuity to it so that when you come, you have that provider. You know that's my doctor, mm-hmm. you know, and you're assigned to that doctor. So we, we call those uh, a panel. So your your doctor-nurse is your panel partner. And then also we have case management. So Niall Teal does case management as well as Haley mm-hmm. Rowland. And um, so they will take our patients that maybe need a little extra TLC or perhaps um, need help with navigating some of this, you know, healthcare system. Because <laughs> yeah. when we leave our health department and we go other places, it can be very taxing on our elders. For sure. I mean, shoot yeah. fire, it's taxing on me. I know. I'm learning so much <laughs> new <know>. stuff. <laughs> and, you know, with you two being um, sort of veterans in the healthcare system, mm-hmm. what changes and what's the evolution that you've seen from when you first entered into the healthcare system versus how it is now? I'm just going to speak from the the standpoint of when I started, it was hands-on. Mm-hmm. And if you had your primary doctor, that primary doctor took care of everything mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, you know, you, you went from your doctor would do house calls, and if your grandma was sick, they would come and give her a shot in the home. I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. That's where I come from. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, what we're seeing now is there's so many specialties that are out there. And I think a specialty is great when you need a specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that when you get too many doctors, <laughs> that you get too many medicines and you get too many confusing um, messages. Sure. So I think that we've over-specialized ourselves in healthcare. Um, that's just my opinion of it. I think that primary care physicians should, you know, that's, they should be your doctor. Mm-hmm. And, and if they can't solve a problem, they can send you where you need to go. Um, but that should be your home base, mm-hmm. you know, and, 
Certainly, I have seen, you know, this opioid crisis that we're in now. Mm -hmm. Um, We had this in the 80s. I mean, this is not a new occurring theme, but it's on a much larger scale now. Uh Um, But I'm talking prescription, not the kind that's on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, But that has always been an issue. So, you know, people are saying... It's a new problem. It's not a new problem. It's just a problem that seemed to go away for a while under the table, but it's always been here, Mm -hmm. but now it's resurged again. So I think that that is something that's big that's facing us now, Mm -hmm. Um, as well as I think our patients get lost in the system. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, And if I went into a big hospital right now, I would make sure that I had a family member to come with me Mm -hmm. or someone who was medical in my family. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because nurses now are not trained like nurses were Mm -hmm. trained when Sandra and I came along. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to know all about you before we ever walk in your room and we're going to make sure we follow up until somebody calls us back. And we're not going to let you lay there and forget about you for three to four hours. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just saying, yeah. you know, I think that you need an advocate. Mm-hmm. That's where I think we are today in healthcare. You need an advocate to go with you every step of the way. Ms. Sandra, mm-hmm. what, what, what things have you seen? Well, I'm a, more on the preventive side of it. Um, as far as me, my nurses that uh, they're more on the um, you know the side where the patients already are actively going through you know whatever disease process. But I can remember when I first started into uh, public health, we gave three. Let's see, we gave the DTAP vaccine, mm-hmm. the polio vaccine, and the measles, mumps, and rubella, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And now we have a whole. <laughs> line of vaccines which is good because Mm -hmm. you know there's prevention of we don't see um like hib Mm -hmm. kids used to die from that and now you know we have a vaccine for that and you just don't see it that much anymore i've never even heard of yeah i was about to say i don't even know what that is (laughs) and see um so i've seen a big change as far as the immunizations that have come along um and it is a very complicated thing now I mean, you really got to stay up on it all the time to keep up with what's going on because it's more scientific um, testing and things that are done and development and stuff like that. And, you know, you got to, things change. And of course, I um, was in charge of the uh, COVID vaccination program. And that was probably the biggest (laughs) challenge I've ever had in my whole career. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was extreme because it was so evolving so quickly. I mean, you know, it was just, it's bang, it started, and then there was just, it was just going, going, going. Mm-hmm. So at least we are kind of slowing a little bit from that. Yeah. And and I guess a thing that really changed a lot, um, I'm the type of person, as far as my nursing, if um, a patient or someone asks me a medical question, and I don't know what it is, I'm going to say, you know, I'm really not familiar with that, so let me do some research and I'll get back to you. Uh-huh. And back in the day, um, everything was handwritten. Oh, you had to write, you know, just 
copious amounts of notes. Well, you're having to write so fast, Exactly. Too. And I actually have a little permanent little thing on my finger oh, from no. writing, <laughs> where I propped my pen. <laughs> and I, too, I promise you, we both have crooked oh, fingers from writing so much. <laughs> it was so much writing that um, I just... Early on, I just decided I can't write legibly in cursive mm-hmm. writing, so I started printing, mm-hmm. and I can print like you wouldn't believe now, <laughs> 90 miles an hour. But the technology is what's changed so much. Mm-hmm. And I remember here at Porch, when we decided that we were going to the electronic health record, they took us in by the busloads to um, Cherokee, uh-huh. and or it was Catawba, I think, Catawba. And we all went as groups to go up there. They had gotten the, the electronic health record. So we all went up there and watched it. And every one of us come back and thought, I'm going into another field. I can't do it. I'm getting out of here. Run. And it just, we didn't know what to think mm-hmm. about all that. So the technology. And I do like it because I used to have to have a bookcase full of reference materials and things like that that sure. I would refer to. But now, you know, you have at your hand easily, you know, to yeah. peruse medical information. <laughs> so it's it's good for that. But And the technology is wonderful as long as it's working. It's that's, wonderful. That's right. Yeah. But um, that's, I guess that's been the biggest changes I've seen, the immunization part of it and the prevention and then the technology and how we – manage everything and i was just going to add on to what nancy said the i the nowadays the medications they they call it polypharmacy because if you have over 12 or 13 medications you get a little <laughs> caution thing on your chart sometime whenever you oh click onto the medications because you know it seems like there's a pill for everything now and when patients go for treatment you know mm-hmm. they get a pill for it mm-hmm. And um, that is one of the biggest problems with our seniors is trying to manage all those medications. Yeah, because yeah, I know Nene, um, she, when she came to live with uh, Dad, I would watch him, and he, like, would meticulously go through all her pill bottles. He would have to set it up in her little pill box, and it was, like, morning, afternoon, evening, nighttime. I was like, and they were slapped full mm-hmm. of pills. Like, it was just... It's crazy. I was like, oh, my gosh, how do you do that? I would be so nervous when I was uh, putting them in the box that I would miss something. Yeah, exactly. But Well, and then all of those medications start overlapping, too. Mm-hmm. And then you have to take a medication to offset that medication. Exactly and right. So it's, it becomes like a spiraling thing in some instances. And, um, you know, once upon a time... In Megan's life, she thought she wanted to go into the medical field. Oh, goodness. And I started working in um, a doctor's office. He was my family doctor, and I think he just had pity on me and let me intern with him for a while. And um, mostly what I was doing was more like filing and stuff like that. So I wasn't really in the patient rooms or anything. Um, And then I got a job as a ward clerk at the hospital in Andalusia, and that was very Mm eye-opening. That's a challenging job. It is. It's a ward clerk. So you're like the the air traffic controller of the nurses' station. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, I've never heard that before. That's exactly right. It is. And then as as doctors, you know, they come in, they sit down the orders, um, you 
go through the chart and you input the orders. So like if if a doctor orders, okay, this one needs these labs and um, they need to go to radiology and then they need an ultrasound. You have to put all of that into the computer oh, no. <laughs> so the order gets generated to all those departments and then they'll come up, draw the blood, take the patient here, do that. The, yeah, it was a lot. And so I got to firsthand witness some of that illegible handwriting that you were talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, what is he trying to say right here? Because, I mean, you were – and. And it's not like take one peel by amount. It's one po da 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 da. da. Like it's all of the it's short a different hand. language. It totally yeah. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I find that I really can't write now. Like if I were to have to sit down and <laughs> write, write, I had to take a course not too long ago, and there was a lot of writing, and I was like, I've been writing like a nurse for so many mm-hmm. years that it was really tough to try mm-hmm. to find creativity mm-hmm. in my writing because I'm just so, always so succinct. Yes. You have to be, you know, on that kind of a mm-hmm. mindset. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're right. It's a whole different world. It sure is. So I have a deep appreciation for nurses and doctors and just really generally anybody in the medical field because I was in it long enough to know it ain't for me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, and I tell you what, I'm very proud of our nursing staff that we have at Port. I really am. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that there is one of them that is not does not really love a patient. Mm-hmm. And you have to really love a patient to make sure you take care of a patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, if you go into it for the wrong reasons, like you think you're going to make X amount of money, and you know you're going to get this, that, and the other. You're surely going to be let down. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to go into it because that's the right thing to do for that person. Yeah, and you I know? will say, as a patient, you can tell. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. tell which nurse is there because she wants to be there and she cares for her patients and which nurse is there because she saw how much she could make an hour. Right. right. And it shows really, really bad. Oh, for sure. I mean, I remember whenever I was working in the hospital there were some nurses that they were just as kind-hearted, and they would go above and beyond for their patients. And then there were some you were like, I don't know what side of the bed you roll off of every <laughs> single day, but <laughs> you might want to do something different. But it was that was probably the best thing that I could have ever done for myself is to get that experience on an entry level before I had invested a whole bunch of time and money and energy into nursing or medical in general and just figure out, like, I don't have the stomach for it. I don't have the constitution for it. Like, it just, it was was just simply not for me. Like, I about passed out on a number of occasions because I was like, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the medical field is wild. Now, I can sit there and watch Grey's Anatomy all day long. That's a whole different ball <laughs> but, um, but let's t- let's touch on COVID just a little bit because I think that in all of the episodes that we have done thus far, um, we've had a lot of people talk about COVID and various aspects, how it's impacted the business, how it's impacted the community, how it's impacted benefits, um, you know, the workforce and all that. But we have not had the opportunity to hear directly from the mouths of our medical staff people who were really on the front lines. And I, and I will also say that, um, 
even though I have known y'all both for a long time, I think that that gave each of us an opportunity to work more closely together in a very different aspect than what we had ever been able to work together as in the past. And it gave me such a deep appreciation, too, for, you know, all the calls that y'all were having to stay on and all the how quick, you know, what you were saying, how quickly the information changes. And, you know, this small piece of knowledge totally changes the plan. So let's talk about that just a little bit. And really, how did you cope with it? Because um, you're human, too. And you felt the impacts of that personally, but then you also had to deal with it in a professional sense, too. So I would just be interested to hear any kind of comments that y'all want to share about that experience. Well, the COVID era, it was very hard to deal with as a healthcare provider because not only are you a healthcare provider, but you have a family, too, and um, while you have to stay on the cusp of what's going on as a professional to treat the disease and deal with all the things that have to be put in place, you also worry about how it affects you or your family in, during that time. And it was very stressful. I, I, we all talked to each other a lot and leaned on each other, but it was a stressful, stressful time. And, you know, you worry about things like, um, you know, am I going to take this to my mom and dad? Am I going to, you know, am I going to infect my husband and my children? You know, because we had to just stay with it. And But I think we all did everything we could to keep ourselves healthy and protect ourselves and, um, and in turn, you know, protect our patients, too. But um, I just, gosh, after a period of time, you just felt like, the world weight of the world was on you, and you know there was. Then there came all the political controversy <laughs> and all the things that's gone along with it. Right, and um, you know you had to really be an advocate for your patients because they were scared. People were dying. We lost a lot of tribal members. We sure did. And um, you know you just had to try to stay strong and try to give them the good information and not get carried down a trail. Mm-hmm. You know, you know to take the focus away right. from what was actually needed to be done and what sure. was going on. And um, and plus, everybody was quarantined. and That was the worst. And, you know, I I feel like I've got, uh, P- is it PTSD? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from it. I really do because now, you know, I was thinking about I need to go on a little vacation or I need mm-hmm. to do something. And then you start thinking, well, you know, and you get in that mindset for so long that you're not doing anything. And it's, I said, I got to get back into life now. <laughs> this is fading. But it did not, I think it'll always have an effect on all of us that went through it. Mm-hmm. And I, you'd find the same thing if you talked to somebody back in the day that went through all the polio mm-hmm. issues with Hong the, Kong uh, flu. Mm-hmm. That was awful. You know, it's very traumatic. We've been through pandemics, but not anything no. like this. Mm-hmm. This was a. This was a special pandemic, epidemic, I should say. Um, but I can tell you from March of 2020, we never stopped working. Mm-hmm. We never did not work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we were at home with our computers answering phone calls from home from people who were scared to death. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, um, we gave our first COVID vaccines. It was on a Monday. I believe it was December the 29th. And um, I had gotten the information really like two weeks before that. I mean, they had been talking about COVID for several weeks, but mm-hmm. I'm talking when I say the information, the infrastructure wasn't set up by IHS or the other agencies until a short time before to really know how we were going to do the vaccines. And, you know, so you really had to come up with a whole new way of doing things. And I remember um, a Saturday night sitting over there in my office. It was storming, pouring down rain, and I had about 200 people to call to try to get them up here to do the shots because I was told you got to do it. And I I remember saying, can I please just have one more day? And they said, no, you've got to start Monday. Oh, wow. And I mean... And we, you know, and I, you had to do it at night. And I had it was so rewarding, though. Even though that that's very ironic to hear me say that, but patients would tell me I'd be calling patients in Tennessee. They might be in Mississippi. I've talked to people in California that were flying here to get the shot because oh, at wow. the time the tribe oh was the only one giving it. That's right. And um, so tribal members, well, I had a tribal and member. I got Miami. I got chillbacks now just talking. But one person that I talked to in California flew here, got their shot, and flew back. And um, But the reason wow. I said it was fulfilling was because here was, and it wasn't just me now. Mm-hmm. It was a lot, you know, but this is just the personal experience I had. But people would say, I can't believe you're calling me on a Saturday night. Thank you so much. Boy, the tribe Aww. is really being good to their people. Aww. And, you know, it was very heartwarming. Sure. And people were scared. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. They were really scared. Yeah. And we, you know, I think from the beginning, like we had tribal council, Terry, our team, Sandra, myself, our physicians, we had to meet. Like, we were constant. Uh-huh. It didn't matter if it was Saturday or mm-hmm. Sunday. You know, it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, when we got news or if we got an update or if we felt like um, a treatment protocol maybe was coming up that was new that we needed to put in place, you know, that that's what we did. It was mm-hmm. warp speed. For, it mm-hmm. was warp speed for two years. How so many you, uh, how many announcements and flyers about COVID do you think we I put have out? Two books that are what's the biggest binder? Three inch. <laughs> I think so. That maybe. was all on COVID for one year because yeah, I was constantly upgrading the infection control plan for the whole place. I've been to places here I didn't even know we had. <laughs> um, and I was like, it was me and Rowdy. Yeah, And yeah. Rowdy and I were going around putting six feet signs and stop <laughs> That's wearing right. your mask. Mm-hmm. Remember all that? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then we did that whole onboarding before we brought people back yeah. in July mm-hmm. of 2020 mm-hmm. about – Wearing your mask and alternate your mask every other day and Mm -hmm. a lot going on behind the scenes to get things moving smoothly. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, I tell you, I didn't really have time to really think about how exhausted I was because we didn't have time to think about it. Well, at some point in time, it's like, you know, and and from, from just like I said, my little bout of being in the medical field, 
when you have to move, you don't think about it, you just move. You do. You jump, you go. Whenever you hear the alert, you're just, you have to do it. And you don't think about it. You don't think about the consequences. You're just like, this is what I'm called to do. And you just have to act and you just have to do it. And I saw a lot of that during the pandemic. And um, I think that there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes that people take for granted. And both of you have mentioned some of that, too, you know, where it's like you never hear about those types of things. And you're like, oh, that six-foot sign just magically appeared. I want to add, I am so proud. I get teary-eyed when I say this, but I am so proud and thankful of the way that Porch Creek oh, yeah. handled COVID. I would put up, us Look, up against anybody. We were like, let me tell you, I have had, I have done presentations to Indian Health, IHS, on our response mm. because we our medical team and our tribal council and Terry I mean we had we had algorithms in place we were we we were treating people to our goal was to keep you out of the emergency mm-hmm. oh yeah that was from the very beginning we didn't want you going to the hospital because once you mm. got there we didn't know what was going to happen to you. Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, we were actually ahead of many, many mm-hmm. sites in the public. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as what we were doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, we were, I think, groundbreaking on a lot of things. We were. Um, and we did it for the community. Yes. See, all the community could come here, and it really promoted yes. the tribes. The, oh, yeah. You know, you know, we were giving shots to all community, mm-hmm. not just porch. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we swabbed. Oh, my gosh. When we started swabbing <laughs> noses and oh, doing gosh. those antigen tests, oh, I hate them my swabs. goodness. That I've... was 250 a day mm-hmm. of, like, those antigen tests when mm-hmm. they were doing those finger sticks. I was like, oh, my God. We were calling people till like, 10 o'clock at night, telling oh. them about their results. Their results. But um, so the nurses now refer to that kind of like Groundhog Day, those <laughs> same thing because you know it. It was like you you know you came in and that's just you're not going to stop till it's done. Right? Mm-hmm. And that was how it was done for two years. Um, and it you know it's it really you can tell now. And there is an article that I just read um, last week about COVID burnout Mm. um, because we all experience it. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are trying to, you know, recognize it. Sure. Right? And we're trying to recognize that we don't always have to be here all the time because that wasn't true for two years. Mm -hmm. We had to be here all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, as far as showing up and being able to provide service, um, and it's okay to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So, because a lot of self care went out the window, it sure did. And you were just on that autopilot, mm-hmm. right? You can't and keep that up forever. You cannot. You cannot. And so, in this article, it talked about the number of seasoned nurses that oh. actually have left healthcare because it was so devastating. The pace, sure. Um, and, you know, what could we do better in the future 
to have balance. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that, I don't know, I'm kind of curious to see the second article come out. But, you know, when you're thrust into something like this, where the whole country closes down and people are scared to death that if they walk outside, they're going to catch a virus and die, Mm -hmm. that is very traumatic. It is. I I mean, you know, people were like, they were traumatized. Mm -hmm. And you, you had to do your best to say, you know, this I'm giving you tools. Mm-hmm. You know, if your oxygen saturation goes to 90 and it stays there, you call, mm-hmm. you know, like you, but you try to tell them, but if you do A, B, and C, you you should do fine. Mm-hmm. Get up, walk around, mm-hmm. don't lay in bed, drink plenty of fluids. I mean, you know, and you have these conversations day in and day out. But it was very, um, I will tell you, you get, um, it was like Sandra said, when I think about what all, how many people were helped in this community because of everything that we all pitched in and did, that's something to be very proud of. Of course, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm so thankful that the powers that be, the administration, they, you know, they told me many times, um, you know, Sandra, we know y'all are small, a small group, and this is a big <laughs> undertaking. We will get you some help. You tell us what you need, and we'll get us some help. And, you know, they they got us nurses in here, contracted them in. We just got the cream yeah. of the crop. And then plus, like you said, Megan, we I'm so much closer to everybody on this mm-hmm. campus now mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm doing things with the Boys and Girls Club. I'd have never mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The firefighters. I never knew their names. Now I know, you know, all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, working with April has been just fantastic. Um, and we really learned, I mean, that without without all of us coming together, it would have never happened. That's right. So we are kind of like are the COVID family. I mean, <laughs> it's like, hey, let me go and check on Shelly. I don't oh, ever yeah. get to see Shelly anymore, you know, but she was in it. Logan, you know, all of just just so many wonderful people. Absolutely. And the fire department, they have just become an appendage to the health department <laughs> because those guys mainly now the way it's done, they give the shots and we do all the paperwork the paperwork and uh, the documentation and the you know, the vaccinations uh, management and all that. So but we couldn't have made it without them. And, you know, we've traveled around all the casinos and tried to do them. But I was just going to say that for such a small little place in the world, I think the last time I looked at a report, as far as actual sticks in the arm, I think there's a little over 7,000 that we've done. That's a wow. lot. Wow. That's really impressive. And our swabs mm-hmm. were almost 15,000. I believe that. And uh, <laughs> it's like... It's been, yeah, it's good, though. It's all good. Mm -hmm. We've learned a lot. You know, now we're trying to transition a little bit back to normal, Mm -hmm. right? So we are um, letting people come in that are sick now. We started doing that three weeks ago. Um, And we're going to segregate, like, a sick visit, you know, section. Mm -hmm. Um, 
just to try to get back to some normalcy because our start COVID somewhere. numbers are down. Mm-hmm. So I can tell you that for the first time in a long time, October was 0.2%. Oh, oh wow. But the August was 30%. Mm-hmm. So it you just know, so I think that you're going to have COVID always. Mm-hmm. So that something is not going to go away. So it's kind of like the flu now. It's like it's, it comes and it goes. Yes. So the flu is here because we stayed masked for so long, mm. and our immunity is not what it was. No. So the flu is terrible, and the flu does kill people, but you have to kind of be proactive. And that's Sandra's side. <laughs> I take that dang flu shot. <laughs> and in your case, you know, you might have taken the flu shot, but you probably were already exposed to somebody that mm-hmm. had the flu, and then you got the flu. Mm-hmm. And once some of the some people do that, they think that flu shot gave them the flu. It does not. <laughs> the flu shot will not give you the flu. You you were around somebody and got the flu and then got the shot. And you I think the I shot found soon it. enough. Well, mm. and I think I found out today who it might have been. But <laughs> oh lord. <laughs> but <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but I I will say that I have gotten the flu shot several times and I never got the flu before. Yes. And um, I think there are a couple of different factors for me. You know, one, I probably was exposed previously, but also being pregnant, you know, my, my immune system is compromised and it's weakened right now. So I've gotten all kind of little bugs that I never got before because I've always been generally healthy as a horse, as they say. Well, let me ask you all this, and if you're comfortable sharing, great. And if not, I totally understand. We can edit this out later. Okay. But did y'all get... Did y'all get COVID? Did y'all personally experience getting COVID? Oh, you're okay. so lucky. It that sucked. is ama- so. That's amazing to me because seven thousand six. And don't get me wrong, I know that individually y'all didn't go and stick seven thousand people, but you were definitely well, we were exposed. Y'all mm-hmm. were in it. Y'all were in the in the grind of it. So, yeah. what was the secret? We don't know. Do you know? There's no rhyme or reason to COVID. No. Like I studied the people that had positive COVIDs. And I tell you what, and I and I did help our local hospital in the ICU because they were just struggling so, and it was, it didn't make any sense to me. I mean, it, it was like some people that you thought were just frail, and they may have been smokers, and they may have just been, you just knew they just weren't going to make it. They They made it through fine. Mm -hmm. And then some that were just healthy, younger people Mm -hmm. died. And I just, I don't, I could not ever put a pattern together Mm -hmm. of all of the cases that we saw. I do know for sure the elders did have a longer battle with Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. um, just because of their age and their having diabetes or high blood mm-hmm. pressure or kidney disease, some of that, you know, you're going to have a, a harder time. But the ones who actually lost their lives, it could have been a young person, mm-hmm. you know, in their 30s or 40s, and they weren't really overweight. and They weren't, they really didn't have anything but high blood pressure maybe. Mm-hmm. And then they just didn't make it. Yeah. So... I don't know why I have not. Let me not. I was just gonna say, yeah. Why I have not 
tested positive for COVID, but I thank God for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's probably all the years that I've been in nurse and worked in emergency rooms. Oh, yeah, your immune system is probably... Coughing my face. (laughs) I probably got some immunity that God knows for diseases hasn't been... (laughs) Um, But my kids had it. My husband had it. They all had it. We were in the same house. Uh-huh. Everybody in our family um, had it. Dad's the only one that's gotten away so far, and he's been exposed <laughs> yeah. several times. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, uh, in community health, um, there's five people in community health that I supervise, and we talk about it all the time because until um, two or three, well, maybe three or four months ago, none of us ever got COVID this whole time, and one um, tested positive and that they weren't really that sick. Right. And uh-huh. um, but family members have had now in my family, would you believe no one in my family <laughs> had COVID? Well, that was good. That's Everybody. amazing. I mean, I don't understand it. I said, I, we all kid each other all the time. We say, well, we guess we're just too mean to get COVID. <laughs> <laughs> believe that at all, Miss Sandra. You're one of the sweetest people I've oh, yeah. <laughs> But you know, like Nancy said, and we talk about this all the time, we'll hear different scenarios of, of different people. There is nothing about COVID that you can predict. There's not, and I nothing. think that's what has made it so difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. the initial, if you compared the initial information that came out about COVID to the information that's out now, it has changed. Mm-hmm. It's changed. I mean, right. granted, there are some things that have stayed the same, but it's changed, mm-hmm. you know. But let me ask you this. How, how have you seen mental health impacted, Ooh. not just amongst <laughs> healthcare workers, but in the community as a whole? Yes. What have you seen? Because one thing that I, I have found um, in my own research about mental health and um, dealing with mental health issues personally and with family members as well is that people fail to recognize and acknowledge that you've got mental health and you've got physical mm-hmm. health and they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And if one is off, then the other one is probably off too. And they really work hand in hand together. So what what would you say about the mental health and just the impact that COVID has probably played on mental health. I tell you, um, and you've got spiritual health that goes in. That's right. So you've got the three three important components. Um, We were kept out of church. Remember? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, We were isolated from our friends and family, right? So we were um, scared to death to go outside, right? So what we're seeing is a lot of anxiety. People have, have um, issues with anxiety. Uh, they are isolated more, right? They still don't want to become social mm-hmm. um, because that two years put them in a box mm-hmm. that they like. Some people wanted to stay in that box. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that they're forced to have to go and deal with issues or deal with situations or come out of their box, it causes great anxiety. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I think anxiety is one of the things. And also alcoholism, um, drug abuse, um, physical violence, 
All of those are real. Mm-hmm. Um, you had kids staying home. They couldn't go to school. You had parents trying to teach kids. Oh, bless you had it. all of that anxiety. You had, like, people not knowing whether or not the child was going to be able to stay at school for the whole day, and were you going to be able to work? You know, are you going to is – my, is my job protected? You know, Porch was very good at protecting people's jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but – a lot of people were not that fortunate. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it just was a lot of, there was never a normal day, mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. So when you don't have a normal day, your life is turned upside down mm-hmm. right? every day. Mm-hmm. So you learn new coping mechanisms. And some people had coping mechanisms that were healthy. Mm-hmm. And some people developed coping mechanisms that were not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're seeing now is the not healthy coping mechanisms. I tell you something else that I noticed too is, you know, there were people who just really did not believe about that COVID was serious and, Mm -hmm. you know, they just thought it was some kind of propaganda. (laughs) And then there were the people who were scared and were trying to, you know, prevent it. And I think, I know for a fact, because I've talked to several people, it caused some breakdown in families. Oh, yeah. Well, especially if you're quarantined together. Mm-hmm. That's got to be rough. That and the fact that maybe you um, told your grandchildren or, I mean, your children or your parents, I can't come there. You oh, know, yeah. Or, and, you know, like for me, my parents are elderly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would go and stand out in the yard and they would be up at the door. Because I was scared to death that I was going to bring something to them. But and, you still wanted to see yeah. them. And um, so, you know, and it, it is, I still see lingering effects. And some people that have talked to me about, mm-hmm. the, you know, that their relationship is not as good as it once was because they disagreed over oh, yeah. how to know, do what it. we had to do. How to, how to deal with it and right. how to navigate through it. There exactly. were just a lot of differences of opinion mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, because ALF... Um, they seniors couldn't leave. Down. They shut yeah. down, and Nanny was in there. And bless her heart, it was her 80th birthday oh, that yeah. April, and she was already so sad and just like she was stuck there. They couldn't even like talk to each other really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we to kind of cheer her up, we did like that parade. Yeah, y'all remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. We did that parade. Everybody drove um, past, and that like you could tell meant the world to her. But not everybody had that. Yeah. So they were just alone, pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest travesty of this whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. Was people died in ICUs alone without their family. Yeah. People died in nursing homes alone without their family. And to me, that is inhumane. That is I awful. I don't care. You could have got some PPE and stuck it on your family, and you could have let them go in there. Now, that's just terrible. Nobody should die alone. No. Nobody should die alone. It, it was awful. I mean, because, um, and some people know this, and a lot of people probably don't, but my grandmother, my Granny Jackie, was, to my knowledge, the first tribal member that passed away from mm-hmm. COVID. Yep. And so she was in the ICU. You know, we thank God. The nurse, the nurses that were there, allowed us to FaceTime with her. By that point, she was on a ventilator already, and you know she she was not cognizant at all. Right. You know she she wasn't there, and you know we would sing to her and pray with her and talk to her and 
all the things, but it does not take the place of holding her hand Mm -hmm. and being there and being able to brush her hair and just, you know, help her ease into, you know, that next chapter. And that was incredibly difficult. And I agree. I mean, there, I know that, that hospital administrations did what they felt they had to do given the information they had to go off of, but that was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever experienced. Looking back, if this ever happens again, I hope they never do that again to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Because it's your choice at the end of the day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's your choice. You know, if you want to suit up and go there and be there, um, that's your choice. And I, and I understand trying to limit, you know, pre- preventative, of course, you know, and try to keep the pandemic at bay. But at the same time, that was... there's just not there aren't words to to really fully describe what that experience was like um you know what i think we're just coming out from the fog too because i was somewhere the other day and now that we're getting out more into the public and stuff you know i would see someone that maybe their loved one had passed away and you know we've been so closed in and i think they're gone. Yes. And it just came. Have y'all mm-hmm. experienced that? Yes. Where it yeah. just comes to your head and you think, oh, my gosh, they died during yeah. all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's shocking mm-hmm. because it's like you have to relive it mm-hmm. again because there were there were so many deaths in such a rapid time yeah. frame. Um, and it's almost like the heart, the brain knows, but the heart hasn't accepted mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. you don't have a chance to go through that typical mourning, grieving, right. um, paying your respects. Being, it's it. It was so crazy. And we were also isolated, anyways, mm-hmm. so you really couldn't fully pay your respects or be there for someone or experience that grief with them. Mm-hmm. So. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it was like a fog. And it and it still I agree, it still is. There's still time I mean, as terrible as this may sound, there there are times when I'm like, I haven't seen that person. Did they pass? Or have they are they just in bad health? You know, and it's awful, but that's kind of the point that we've come to. Um and I know that aside from COVID, you all are still dealing with, you know, diabetes and mm-hmm. Heart disease and all of the things that you see in the Native community that are sort of um, an epidemic into itself, you know, um, and you spoke some about alcoholism and opioid abuse and that sort of thing, too. Um, What can people do to bounce back? I just, I think that, you know, on, in our tribal population, we have, um, the perfect trifecta. Um, it's called metabolic syndrome. I mean, that's just what a lot of our people have. And that is hypertension, high lipids, hyperlipidemia, and diabetes. Okay. So I, I, I pray going forward that we can start like we're doing with the Boys and Girls Club at a young age, saying stay active, mm-hmm. eat healthy, um, get back to your roots of walking and get off of these dang devices. <laughs> and, you know, 
I think if people were to to stay active and eat healthy, we could avoid a lot of what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, some things are familial; they you, they will occur because you know you're, it runs in your family. Mm -hmm. But that's not all things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have a lot of people that are type two diabetics that could avoid that. Mm -hmm. um, eating right. And moving, mm -hmm. you know, get into a routine of a healthy weight. Um, people can come off blood pressure medicine by exercise and diet. Mm -hmm. Don't drink, well, you know, I would say processed foods have a lot of sodium. Mm -hmm. You know, so the things that we love the most, buying a sausage and right. Oh, my God, that's a killer. Salt oh, yeah, here is my, you go. Here's a vaina. Salt's you know, my Achilles heel. swell up for five days. Um, you know, we love sausage. Oh, my God. Mm. We love anything pork. You know, just <laughs> anything give it bad to us, right? And, you know, everything's good in moderation. Mm -hmm. But when you eat it every day, it's not good for you. Mm -hmm. The chips. You know, I'm, I love chips. You know, I love <laughs> the chip town. I right am there. a chip person. But I have to say, right. if I'm going to eat that chip today, I'm going to go get on the bike for 45 minutes. Yeah. And I'm going to drink plenty of water because I got to flush that mess out of my system. It's mm -hmm. killing me. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, you know, yeah. it's like you're just going to have to develop a consciousness about you about how to stay and live healthy. Mm -hmm. like and, and, and I think we see so much right now, people are trying to get back on track. Uh -huh. So they're doing these fast things. Those intermittent like, fasting. Oh, or, you know, taking a medicine that's supposed to make you lose weight. Oh. And, you know, that's dangerous. That's that dangerous. Your heart. That can kill your kidneys, too. Ooh. I'm just telling you. Um, you know, there is nothing like watch your calories, get on the treadmill, go for a walk, cut back from the table, mm -hmm. exercise more. That's what you have to do. You know, my great granddad, D.C. Daltrey. <laughs> I remember Mr. D.C. <laughs> so, there, I mean, he was always, for as long as I remember, like just a tall, lean string bean. Just never had a weight issue in his life until he get, got on up and eight. And even then, I wouldn't even say he had a weight issue. He had a little belly. but <laughs> And that was just because he couldn't get out and go as fast as he used to. Mm -hmm. But I remember <laughs> he'd notice, you know, some of the women in our family start putting on a <laughs> few LBs. And he'd oh. say, sister, you better back away from that table. I know. <laughs> I know. And he was right. And it's so, you know, I think we we have to find comfort in other things. Yeah. Like, you know, um, food was a comfort food. Food is comforting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and especially during these last two years when you're just, like, stressed out. When you, you couldn't just, really do anything else. You know, else. you just need a mashed potato, man. That's oh, all you yes. need. Yes. But then if you do the mashed potato, then you get on your bike and you mm -hmm. just go for a nice long ride. Mm -hmm. um, so those kinds of things, I hope we teach our young people, you know, is how to deal with stress. It's through exercise, meditation, you know, do a little yoga. I mean, mm -hmm. all of that is great. I would have never made it through all of this without exercise and, and meditation and yoga. 
I'm just telling you, it is it is the key. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, y'all have traditions, mm-hmm. you have culture, and that needs to be taught. You know, you're teaching your young ones, mm-hmm. right? And they and you just need to stay active, stay mm-hmm. active. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the key. Once you once you you become inactive, then that's when all these problems start. Mm-hmm. Ms. Sandra, what do you think? Do you have anything to add about how do you think, what can people do to bounce back from just all of the trauma? Because you you spoke a lot about the trauma that people have gone through. How do people bounce back from that? Well, first of all, we have to recognize, you know, what's going on in our hearts and minds. And we have to recognize if we are under stress, because a lot of times we're so active and going 100 miles an hour, we don't stop and think about our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, if you're a spiritual person, I think, um, you know, devotionals and um, uplifting, uh, you know, I can't think of the term I was trying to say, but anything to help boost you, you know, if you like, if you read the Bible, um, church is back on again, mm-hmm. and I think that helps a lot. And um, regaining contact with people that maybe you've lost contact with and just get out there and be a part of life. Because not too long ago, when I was feeling the stress of a lot of this, I told my husband, I said, you know, we got to get out there and take part in life again. Uh I said, it seems like that the reason the time has gone by so is I said, we, I go to work and then we come home and then it's time to go to work again and we're not exactly we're not right. rejoining life and I think that's we just have to get back out there at it mm-hmm. and um, you know focus on other things you know that there is something else after COVID mm-hmm. but I, I think the biggest thing is recognizing that you need to support your mental and emotional health if whether that's through a good relationship with a good friend or maybe talking to someone, um, you know, that's that's the only – and then the other things that Nancy said about the exercise and taking care of yourself, because if you feel better physically, um, I think it helps your mental Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Well, ladies, Miss Sandra, Miss Nancy, thank you all so much. I'm glad that we finally had this time to come <laughs> together. And I have no doubt that something that you all have shared today will definitely help people and continue to motivate and uplift people in our community, too. So thank you all both so much for being here. Well, thank you all for having us. Yes, yes. I like appreciate it. To tell our story. It's a little cathartic for us. Yeah, yeah, it is. I like it. I'm feeling better about myself now. Glad y'all are. Thank y'all. Thank you for listening to A Place Called Porch. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can visit our website, porchcreekindians.org, for more information, or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram.